Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch. We're the horse to ride for your next bull purchase. 6th of February of 2021. Agriculture is Saskatchewan. And 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder. Go to Renew Your Plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. Today, APAS President Todd Lewis talks about the review of the Canada Grain Act, support for farmers for reducing greenhouse gases, soil moisture, and last week's grain price rally. And it was quite a doozy. We have a market outlook on specialty crops from Etter Seeds at Richardson, southeast of Regina. Real Agriculture discusses soil health. We have a market outlook on hogs and Simply Agriculture Solutions highlights efforts to support farmers to protect species at risk through a federal program. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. The president of APAS, the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, welcomes a federal review of the Canada Grain Act. Todd Lewis says the federal regulations have not been changed in almost five decades, and grain marketing has changed in that time period. Yeah, I think it's time for a modernization of the act, and uh, a lot of things have changed over the last 50 years, of course. And, and uh, you know, I think it's important to remember that the Grain Act is in place to uh, protect producers. The uh, Canadian Crane Commission is there on behalf of farmers and and uh, so it's important that farmers take the time to uh, you know educate themselves about what the the Grain Commission does and what's involved in the Canada Grain Act and and please you know put in some uh, this is a consultation period and put in some thoughts and uh, lots of opportunity now between now and the end of April to uh, to be able to try and get some uh, some ideas forward to the minister and uh, the people looking at the re, you know the re reorganization or the, the redoing I guess of the of the act and modernization of it so it is important and uh, you know with our current exports and uh, what's been going on you know as far as uh, demand and so on it's important that uh, you know there's uh, more and more of the world wants our grain it's important that we're able to uh, give it to them in a timely fashion as well as in, in the that they get the product that they're paying for so I think it's never been timelier to have a review of the act than right now. Are there any specific changes you'd like to see in the area of, say, grading or fees? Oh, I think, you know, the idea is there's always, uh, you know, uh, more more transparency in the system is better. Uh, I mean, certainly uh, lots of ideas about uh, how we can have a more transparent system, uh, you know, for price discovery and things like that. Uh, you know, that'll be a part of this. I think uh, outward inspection and, uh, you know, the grain companies uh, do some of that now. You know, there have been talks about, uh, you know, disallowing or not having the Green Commission do the, these outward inspections. But, you know, I think when just 
personally, I think as uh, you look at uh, you know our our recent uh, or ongoing, I guess, still uh, problem with canola into China, it's important to have a third good third party person grading those uh, those uh, products as they leave the country and what's on the boat. So uh, you know it really backs up what Canada's saying that we have a quality product. So I think it's uh, you know that's just one, a couple different ideas that uh, we've heard people talk about, and I think uh, well, there's, there's going to be quite a bit more as we go forward between now and the end of April. On another topic, uh, all the Green Commissions last week uh, held meetings and supported a resolution calling for support for farmers for reducing greenhouse gas emissions with modern farming practices. It kind of follows what APAS has been pushing for. Yeah, I think you know the the general farm community. Uh, you know, we're we're representing grassroots as well as the as the commissions do as well, and do a good job of uh, of uh, supporting farmers. And you know, I think it's getting to be more and more of a major issue as we move from fifty dollars a ton to one hundred and seventy dollars a ton. And, and uh, producers are really uh, looking at what that's going to mean to their operations and lots of concerns. And you know, I think it also shows that uh, you know farmers really have been good carbon managers, and they and they care about what happens with. Uh, carbon emissions and so on and you know every time somebody buys a new tractor for instance or a new combine that's uh, improved emissions on those on those uh, tractors and on those engines that uh, that wasn't there for, for on the equipment that they're replacing so I mean that's just one example where farmers are doing their part and uh, we just need to be recognized that sequestration is important there's a you know big part of those the motions that were put forward we're talking about uh, sequestration and getting credit for it and uh, you know we do have a very very good Good uh, uh, agricultural, I guess, value chain that, that can measure carbon. They're, they're, they measure the emissions very well, but uh, they don't measure the, measure the sequestration very well. So I think that's uh, something that uh, is going to become more and more prevalent as we go go forward between now and 2030. On uh, the moisture situation, how does that look right now? We've had some snow. Well, a little bit, but uh, still, you know, as I sit here now, I'm uh, sitting here at the well right now and haul a little bit of water for the house, and uh, I see lots of canola stubble sitting out of the snow. So it's far from uh, stubble fields. They're far from full, you know, here south of Regina. And so we need some more uh, tree, you know, tree stands and so on. Uh, yards need a uh, lot more snow in the trees and so on, and it's, it's so exceptionally dry, we'll take any moisture that comes. I'd like to get a comment from you on the grain market rally last week. Wheat rose, uh, wheat futures in the U.S., uh, spring wheat up 29 cents a bushel, canola up $19 a ton. Your thoughts? Well, the USDA report was uh, very bullish, as uh, as the people in the market like to say, and it's... uh, you know, certainly something that uh, was unexpected. I think uh, if you said in July that we'd be looking at the prices that we have right now, nobody would have believed you. And, uh, you know, I think it just goes to show, you know, even through COVID and so on, that uh, demand for food is still here. And it's important uh, that uh, we're able to continue to supply our customers and uh, both domestically and internationally. And uh, the prices are showing that uh, there is a big demand, uh, you know, in the canola market. It seems like soybeans are driving driving the bus right now as far as uh, increase in canola futures and I think that's uh, good news good news for the Canadian producer of course and uh, the spring wheat and uh, and all commodities really have been moved moved upward over the last number of months a past president Todd Lewis farms at gray southeast of Regina back to Saskatchewan agriculture today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM 
Uh, Our John Area Grain Trader says lentil prices have been on a downslide during the past month. Darren Lemieux of Etter Seeds at Richardson, just southeast of Regina, says the drop is due to declining demand. The uh, large green lentils were as high as 36 cents in the fall for a number two and currently now are 32 to 33 cents. Uh, Small greens have had the same thing happen. They were as high as 32 cents and now are around 28 cents. Uh, Red lentils as well, with the uh, non-participation of India, uh, were as high as 33, and now they're down to 25 to 26 cents. What about peas, uh, peas and chickpeas? Uh, We're looking at yellow peas for two or better. They've been on a bit of an upswing lately. Uh, We're looking at uh, 9.25 a bushel to 9.50 a bushel. Green peas have been going the opposite way. They're actually below yellow peas for a strange time. Uh, right now, looking at around eight fifty to nine dollars a bushel. And chickpeas, we've seen them decrease a little bit. They're right now a number two or better, eight nine mixed caliber, around twenty five to twenty six cents. And how about canary seed? Canary seed, with the uh, supply last year and the demand being pretty matched, uh, we've been seeing a stable market in around thirty one to thirty two cents. And flax, how does it look? Flax, brown flax, we've seen uh, a steady increase over the fall due to some production problems in other areas. We're looking currently at a price of 19 and a quarter to 19.50 a bushel, and uh, golden flax we're looking at around 20 dollars a bushel. It's been pretty stable all fall. So, what's the outlook for this spring and summer? As we look forward for the next couple of months, I would think that lentils, the green lentils, will be uh, fairly stable. Uh, as well as reds. Uh, the demand in most international markets is is kind of sated. They're all pretty full still, all have good inventories. Brown flax, we may see some continued increase. Uh, with golden, it'll be stable. Yellow peas may see small increases. Greens and uh, chickpeas will probably be pretty steady going forward. Darren Lemieux is a grain trader at Etter Seeds in Richardson, just southeast of Regina. The Port of Thunder Bay had its busiest shipping season in 23 years this year. The last vessel of the year left last Tuesday. Annual cargo reached 10.2 million metric tons, which includes 9.2 million tons of grain. Overseas demand saw over 150 foreign saltwater vessels loaded with grain during this shipping season. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Today, we're going to talk about the state of soil health. Uh, I started covering soil health for real agriculture about 10 years ago, and at that time, I really think we had a small group of committed farmers and consultants who really preached the benefits of soil health, and and in many cases, um, it was as much about religion as it was about soil science. But I've witnessed um, a huge change over the past decade, and and today, uh, we have a tremendous soil health community. Um, from farmers and researchers to consultants and extension specialists. It is a dynamic group, and they're doing some pretty amazing things. And uh, to talk about that dynamic community and uh, and what's happening, I'm joined today by Dr. Abby Wick. She's a soil health extension specialist from North Dakota State University. Abby, let's start this off by uh, getting your take on the 
the state of soil health. Um, from your perspective, how has it taken hold in North American agriculture? That's, that's a great question, because like you, I, you know, I started my position here at North Dakota State University about eight years ago. And so I was probably coming in where soil health was was just, you know, getting going. Farmers were reading about it in, in national magazines, probably in Ontario as well as they were here in North Dakota. And uh, there's a lot of interest behind soil health. And one of the things that I've seen since starting my position is that um, is that it really is taking off, whether you're looking at social media or you're looking at, at the meetings farmers are attending. Um, you know, we're getting new faces at our meetings all the time here. And, and it's exciting because I think everybody's realizing that it's not it doesn't have to be complicated. Number one, that it can be, you know, there's no one size fit all, fits all. It can be for any farm um, and it can really help farmers achieve those those goals that they have for their operation, whether they're you know, primarily long term, but but some short term goals as well. I guess the question for you is, what are the characteristics you see in many of the farmers you meet who are, you know, truly committed to soil health, and, and how are they moving the needle on their farm? Uh, you know, I think that the word that comes to mind is curiosity. Uh, most of the farmers that are working in soil health are very curious about their systems. Um, that those questions that they have about the way they're doing things on their farm is what drives them towards change. Um, so I think most of them, you know, are, are very curious. Uh, I also think that they are somewhat stubborn in some ways. You know, yeah, they, they want these practices to work, so they're not in it to try it. They're in it to make it work for their operations. And, um, you know, but not so stubborn to the point where they're willing to, to take big risks and lose a lot of money or commit to something that isn't going to isn't going to work on their farm. So, uh, so smart also comes to mind. And, and I think most farmers, you know, farmers working in agriculture and running their own businesses, they, they've got to be smart, whether they're into soil health or not. And um, so I think, I think their, their curiosity, their commitment, their uh, stubbornness, all those things kind of lead to these soil health practices going on their operations. Mm. Now, a lot of guys are, are doing things well, but a lot of things don't work. And everybody's willing to share as much about what does work as doesn't work. Yeah, I think that's really important to share both what does work and doesn't work. And um, number number one, it adds credibility to the person sharing the information. We know that things can't work all the time. And sometimes when we, we admit to our mistakes that are made, you know, it, it shows that we're real people, uh, that we're not perfect, that you don't have to be perfect um, in your systems. So I think it adds credibility, but I also think uh, that we can learn a lot from mistakes too. Uh, the more mistakes I make on the research plots we have, or the, you know, the mistakes that we make as a farmer and I are, are trying a new practice on their, on their farm, um, we learn just as much from those as we do the successes, if not a little bit more. So uh, being open and honest and sharing both success and failures is pretty critical, I think, in, in advancing soil health. Mm. Now, there's more and more researchers like you, you know, doing soil health. I, I, I've seen it grown over the years, and you, you mentioned you're, you've joined on about eight years ago. You know, as a researcher, what, what um, can farmers learn from you and, and consultants? You know, what can you bring to the firm to soil health? Uh, you know, sometimes I let I let the farmers decide what I bring to their farm, um, and that involves just a lot of listening. And I think that's one of the best thing that researchers or extension specialists can do is is when going to a, a farm to listen to what those farmers want out of those practices and to not come in with any assumptions that you're going to have the information they need. This has been your Real Agriculture update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM.
The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. Cloudy sky today, 2 centimeters of snow this afternoon. Wind northwest 20, the high minus 2. The low minus 10, the wind chill near minus 15 overnight. Tomorrow partly cloudy, 30% chance of light snow early in the morning. Wind southwest 30, gusting to 50 in the afternoon. And the high tomorrow minus 3. Tomorrow night cloudy, 60% chance of rain showers or flurries. The low minus 3. Wednesday partly cloudy, windy, the high 0, the low minus 8. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high minus 8, the low minus 16. Friday, partly cloudy, the high minus 10, the low minus 18. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 12, the low minus 20. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high minus 15. Normal high for this date, minus 11, the normal low, minus 23. The sun rose at 8.50 this morning. It sets at 5.28 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is leader in west-central Saskatchewan at zero. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay, minus 23 degrees. Esteban is minus 7, Saskatoon minus 5, Swift Current minus 3, Weyburn minus 9, Yorkton is minus 14. Regina has mist in the air, it's minus 9, that's 16 Fahrenheit, winds are from the west at 15. Humidity 93%, the barometer rising 102.1. Fog and moose jaw minus 5, winds are from the west at 17. Once again, Regina has mist and minus 9, that's 16 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Hey everybody, it's Ted Creech here from Hill 70 Quantock Ranch of Lloydminster, Alberta. On the 6th of February of 2021, I'd like to invite everybody to our 51st annual Barn Burner Bull Sale starting at 12 noon. Now we'll sell approximately 400 bulls consisting of Red and Black Angus, Horn and Pulled Herefords, Red and Black Sim Angus, Charlay and Red Balancer Bulls, plus 100 bred and open commercial females to round out the day. Now don't be afraid to get in touch with us. Either call myself, Connor or Bill at 1-800-665-7253. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Hog prices are expected to improve this year following a dismal 2020. Kevin Greer is a meat and grocery market analyst based in Guelph, Ontario. He provided the pork outlook during a Glacier Market Farms online event last week. Greer says his 2021 forecast is targeting $70 U.S. per hundredweight compared to $60 last year. Let's be honest, that's not a very exciting price, but it's... Given how low prices went in 2020, the fact that I'm getting up uh, another, say, uh, about 15% isn't that exciting. But again, there's a lot of production there. So again, based on my slaughter forecast and my estimations on demand, I'm suggesting that in 2021, we're going to have an average price U.S. lean of about 70. The first and fourth quarters will be the weakest, with values in the mid-70s during the second and third quarters. I am much more bearish than the futures are. So the futures, maybe the futures traders see less slaughter than I do, but these are my forecasts, okay? And again, as of now, I am more bearish than the futures. 
While packers had some processing costs and challenges last spring due to COVID-19, overall margins were pretty good. Basically, the year started off with fairly average gross margins. They skyrocketed, though, when they when the pork was short and they were selling uh, into a market that needed pork that wasn't being supplied because of the uh, the plant shutdowns. And then for the rest of the year, really, uh, they had a, a lot of leverage in the market. So prices were firm for them, and the low hog prices meant that uh, very, very strong gross margins for most of the year, at least into uh, November. Greer notes there was an increase in hog slaughter numbers in Western Canada last year. Part of that was because we had an extra week in 2020, but even accounting for that, there was at least five Six percent, probably more increase in slaughter on the prairies, and so these packers may be looking to expand. These packers may be looking to grow. These packers may be looking to have even better margins because the more hogs to the plant, the better the returns are. So again, there's big increase in slaughter at at red deer, big increase in slaughter at uh, high life. Positive things are going on with regard to that end of the business. Greer was asked to speculate why pork consumption has remained at good levels. I think that, uh, number one, the importance of protein in a diet has become much more widely uh, known and believed. I think uh, there's now recognized a disconnect between uh, animal fats and heart health. In other words, it's not a negative, or at least not the slam dunk negative that uh, was always thought for the last uh, 40 years. So again, the benefits of protein and the recognition that a good source of protein is, is animal protein, those are two anyway. The converse that uh, maybe uh, loading up on carbs is not the great thing that we thought it was. But again, those are um, just my my views from reading the media. So again, I wouldn't say that my views on this are any more insightful than anybody else's. Kevin Greer is a meat and grocery market analyst based in Guelph, Ontario. He provided the pork outlook during a Glacier Market Farms online event last week. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. A Saskatoon nonprofit organization is encouraging producers to take advantage of government support programs for protecting species at risk. Simply Agriculture Solutions Executive Director Travis Quirk says his organization operates a species at risk support program. So we're working on behalf of Environment Claims Climate Change Canada to work with uh, agriculture producers across the province to both uh, educate them on the species of risk across the province, uh, give some awareness about uh, kind of their habitat preferences and things that they can be doing uh, a little bit better to help improve uh, those populations. What are some of the species at risk and habitat that's needed for them? A lot of the ones that we deal with are uh, are on native prairie, um, things like uh, burrowing owls, uh, loggerhead shrikes, uh, sage grouse, piping plovers. Uh, we have a whole list of them, uh, sprags, pipits, uh, monarch butterflies, uh, leopard frogs. So there, a lot of these different species are mostly centered down in the southwest part of the province, but they can be found, uh, some of them, throughout the entire province. Why do they need protection? So these species uh, are, are facing some challenges, either it's due to a loss of habitat or there's some conditions that uh, aren't ideal for them. We, their numbers are decreasing, so we need to work hard to kind of re- increase those numbers and make sure that they have a, a good fit into our, our ecosystem. So you're saying the southwest is one of the key areas, the grasslands, but there are other areas too that habitat, I mean, we're considered one of the, the centers, one of the major flyways for ducks, for example. 
True. Yeah, there's a lot of ducks. I mean, wetlands are, are part of the healthy ecosystems. Not a lot of the duck species uh, are what we would consider, you know, at risk at this time, even though some of their populations are, are not ideal. The ones that we really are concerned about are, are ones, you know, that live here year-round a lot of times. But being said, a lot of them do also uh, migrate. Outline a few more of the species at risk. You gave me a couple of the key ones, but give me a couple more. So things like maybe uh, the Phrygianus hawk. So they're uh, a hawk that's found in, they kind of nest on cliff sides and stuff like that. Uh, and then there's maybe the barn swallow. So that one was recently listed. So they used to be numerous, uh, but they're an aerial insectivore. So they eat a lot of flying insects. And so then when there isn't many insects, uh, they can be impacted by that. So maybe another one is little brown bat. Uh, so they're one of the species that could potentially be at risk with uh, if we ever do get uh, white-nose syndrome into the province. So we want to make sure to give them plenty of habitat so they can kind of space out uh, during their, their summer months. And, and so we, one of those, you know, what great practice for them is putting up bat boxes. You've got some kind of support program. Tell me a little bit about that, some kind of government support program for helping producers. Yeah, so absolutely. So we encourage producers to attend our workshops. We're doing them online this year, just kind of with the uh, conditions we're faced with. So you attend these workshops online, go through a workbook, and develop a species of risk action plan. It's really detailed uh, and tailored to your farm on how you want to manage these species that you might have on your, on your farm or ranch. Uh, once you kind of go through that process, it gives you some ideas of things you can do, and then you can actually, you know, once you've gone through and created the action plan, uh, you can apply for stewardship funding. The nice thing about the stewardship funding that we have available, once you kind of, you know, apply and get approved for a project, we do co- cover 100% of the project costs. And what are some of the items that you could apply to receive funds for? So it's a pretty broad spectrum. So we leave that up to the producers to kind of figure out, you know, what species. So it depends on which species you want to focus on and then what works best within your management practices. A lot of these, as I mentioned before, are prairie native species, and a lot of them are found on grasslands and pasture lands. So a lot of it has to do with grazing management, but uh, a lot, some other ones like, you know, piping plover, protecting shorelines, things like that. So uh, we have a, a whole host of different things. Even, even seeding back to native grasses is a beneficial thing for a lot of these species. What is simply agriculture solutions? You're based, what, in Saskatoon? Yeah, so we're based in Saskatoon. We have program representatives uh, throughout the province. Uh, we're a, a non-profit organization just working on behalf of uh, agriculture producers to deliver uh, kind of educational programs that are both, you know, agriculturally and environmentally related. How much support could producers expect to get? Like, is it worthwhile? Absolutely worthwhile. Um, so they're, you know, unfortunately we're not a huge program, but we do fund, uh, I think last year was about 20 different projects across the province, and we hope to do that again this year. And how much per acre could producers hope to get? It really varies on what type of project, so there's no specific amount on that. We don't have any restrictions or anything like that, so it's, it, and it's based purely on the project itself. Travis Quirk is the executive director of Simply Agriculture Solutions. Um. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avon Lee. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Viterra prices were moving up in early trading. Canola gained 20 cents, 646.27. Lentils jumped $30 at 602.50. Number one red spring wheat rose 214 at 275.27. The rest unchanged. Durham 299.46. Feed barley 234.70. Flax 729.37. 
Oats, 229.53. Yellow peas, 348.89. Feed wheat, 183.72. U.S. markets are closed today for holiday on Friday. Minneapolis spring wheat, March futures closed up three and a quarter cents at 6.43 and a half cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from the Swift Current Yards. 500 cattle in our regular sale on Tuesday. The cow market reads quite a bit higher. But, man, the quality was over-the-top good on a percentage of the cows. We averaged 75 straight through on all the cows in the sale. We did have a set of a uh, semi-load of grain-fed cows. And by grain-fed, we mean 35 pounds of grain per day since the 1st of November. And phenotypically very strong cows, they trade from 80 to 88. They average 82 and a half straight through on a straight semi-load. Certainly, um, that makes your average appear higher, but by golly, were they something else. Uh, the kill bulls traded up to a dollar five. A lot of bulls in that 92 to 96 range. Uh, some thinner bulls in the 80s. On the feeder cattle, net on the DLMS direct off the farm network Thursday. Some light seven weight steers trading that 183.84 money. Certainly, as the grain markets continue to accelerate, uh, the feeder cattle are showing some signs of stress and uh, some hesitation on where we should go from here. That's the way it is in cattle country. Heartland Swift Current. And the latest pork prices, one fifty-two fifty-three per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. The opposition says the Prime Minister needs to reach out to President-elect Joe Biden about Keystone XL. Energy experts warn the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline in the U.S. would threaten the security of crude supply for one of the world's biggest oil refining hubs. Richard Mason at the University of Calgary's School of Public Policy says the pipeline is the most secure way to get bottlenecked Canadian diluted bitumen to the U.S. Gulf Coast. Mason says without the pipeline, U.S. refineries will import supplies from countries like Saudi Arabia, Iraq and Russia. Transition documents suggest Joe Biden will kill the controversial project as soon as Wednesday after he's sworn in as U.S. president. Experts say the move would also jeopardize thousands of jobs in Alberta and mean the loss of billions of dollars in corporate income taxes, carbon taxes and royalties. Premier Scott Moe has expressed disappointment with the news. Moe said construction of this project should be a top priority for Canadian-U.S. economic relations. Adding that Saskatchewan will continue exercising contacts in Washington, D.C. to advocate for the continuation of the project that clearly benefits both countries. A research project by Saskatchewan Polytechnique is getting closer to completion that aims to make underground mining safer in the province. Terry Peckham, research chair for the Digital Centre of Excellence, says the project is trying to create wireless underground positioning to track miners and machinery. He says they have developed a working prototype using existing technology. The system, he says, will help keep miners and machinery away from each other and help machinery avoid collisions with mine walls. Currently, gates separating portions of the mine are the only way to track who or what is where and leaves room for error. Peckham says the next step will be actually integrating the positioning system into machinery to automate shutdowns if collisions are about to occur. 
On the markets, gains in the technology sector helped lead Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading, while the loonie moved lower against the dollar. The S&P TSX Composite Index was up 35 points at 17,944. U.S. stock markets are closed for Martin Luther King holiday. The Canadian dollar traded for 78.36 cents U.S. compared with 78.57 cents Friday. The March crude oil contract was down 13 cents at 52.29 per barrel. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Hill 70 Quantuck Ranch, the place to be for your next bull purchase. Mark the right date, February 6th, 2021. Call 1-800-665-7253 anytime, any day. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where quality comes in quantity on the 6th of February of 2021. Be welcome to join us for our annual bull sale.